Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from a, we read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the uh, of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link on the top menu for online edition, you will see the link to read A-C-I-M-O-E. On that same menu, same top menu, there is a link also to subscribe to an excellent daily email which is also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 28, the Undoing of Fear, with Section 5, The Greater Joining. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembering our lesson for the day, which is Lesson 289. Eternal... Excuse me, 299. (laughs) Eternal holiness abides in me. And that will be led to this morning again by prayer. Well, um, this is <laughs> this is about my favorite part of the whole thing, especially this morning. Lori, do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings for this call? Well, I sure do. I didn't have to go far for it either. Um, it's in the book, 40 Prayers by Pure Life Samadon. He titled it Psalm 2. Um, but what a reflection of eternal holiness. My heart is your sky, beloved. My heart is your sky, beloved. There is nothing I need. On the hills of your earth I walk upright, and in the fields of your love I find peace. You have made my soul a window and opened it to you. You've taken away my fear. You've given me to know my home is in your presence, and I will live in the light of your joy forever. Eternal holiness abides me. Amen. Thank you, Laurie. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. A prayer of gratitude, huh? Mm-hmm.
Um, well, this is this morning in reading. I have Lori, uh, Fran, Jessica, Karen, and Robin, Robin Marie. Robin Marie. And with us and listening, I have Judy and Ida. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning or join the reading list? Good morning. This is Kristen. I'll be listening. Thank you. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning. This is Mindy, and I can read at least the first time around, the first round. Okay. Welcome, Mindy. Thank you. All right, um, I will go ahead and get us started then. In Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear, with Section 5, The Greater Joining. Accepting atonement for yourself means not to give support to someone's dream of sickness and of death. It means that you share not his wish to separate and let him turn illusions on himself. Nor do you wish that they be turned instead on you. Thus they have no effect. And you are free of dreams of pain because you let him be. Unless you help him, you will suffer pain with him because that is your wish. And you become a figure in his dream of pain as he in yours. So do you both become illusions and without identity. You could be anyone or anything depending on whose evil dream you share. You can be sure of just one thing, that you are evil for you share in dreams of fear. And Lori. Chapter 28, Undoing Fear, Section 5, The Greater Joining, 37. Accepting the atonement for yourself means not to give support to someone's dream of sickness and of death. It means that you share not his wish to separate and let him turn illusions on himself. Nor do you wish that they be turned instead on you. They have no effects. And you are free of dreams of pain because you let him be. Unless you help him, you will suffer pain with him because that is your wish. And you become a figure in his dream of pain as he in yours. So do you both become illusions and without identity. You could be anyone or anything depending on whose evil dreams you share. And you can be sure of just one thing, that you are evil, for you share in dreams of fear. There is a way of finding certainty right here and now. Refuse to be a part of fearful dreams, whatever form they take, for you will lose identity in them. You find yourself 
by not accepting them as causing you and giving you effects. You stand apart from them, but not apart from him who dreams them. Thus you separate the dreamer from the dream and join with one, but let the other go. The dream is but illusion in the mind, and with the mind you would unite, but never with the dream. It is the dream you fear, and not the mind. You see them as the same because you think that you are but a dream, and what is real, and what is but illusion in yourself you do not know and cannot tell apart. Thank you, Lori. And friend. 38. There is a way of finding certainty right here and now. Refuse to be a part of fearful dreams, whatever form they take, for you will lose identity in them. You find yourself by not accepting them as causing you and giving you effects. You stand apart from them, but not apart from him who dreams them. Thus you separate the dreamer from the dream and join with one, but let the other go. The dream is but illusion in the mind, and with the mind you would unite, but never with the dream. It is the dream you fear and not the mind. You see them as the same because you think that you are but a dream. And what is real and what is but illusion in yourself, you do not know and cannot tell apart. 39. Like you, your brother thinks he is a dream. Share not in his illusion of himself, for your identity depends on his reality. Think rather of him as a mind in which illusion still persists, but as a mind which brother, but as a mind which brother is to you. He is not brother made by what he dreams, nor is his body quote unquote hero of the dream your brother. It is his reality that is your brother, as is yours to him. Your mind and his are joined in brotherhood. His body and his dreams but seem to make a little gap where yours have joined with his. Oh, my. Should I proceed? I don't know if we lost Lemoyne. Yes, oh. uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Fran. Uh, please go ahead, Jessica, with 39 sure. and 40. Okay, 39. Like you, your brother thinks he is a dream. Share not in his illusion of himself, for your identity depends on his reality. Think rather of him as a mind in which illusions still persist, but as a mind which brother is to you. He is not brother made by what he dreams, nor is his body. Uh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> he is not brother made by what he dreams, nor is his body, quote, hero of the dream, your brother. It is his reality that is your brother, as is yours through him. 
Your dream and his are joined in brotherhood. His body and his dreams but seem to make a little gap where yours have joined with his. 40. And yet, between your minds there is no gap. To join his dreams is thus to meet him not because his dreams would separate from you. I'll say that again. To join his dreams is thus to meet him not because his dreams would separate from you. Therefore, release him merely by your claim on brotherhood and not on dreams of fear. Let him acknowledge who he is by not supporting his illusions by your faith. For if you do, you will have faith in yours. With faith in yours, he will not be released, and you are kept in bondage to his dream. And dreams of fear will haunt the little gap, inhabited but by illusions which you have supported in each other's minds. Thank you, Jessica. And Karen. 40. And yet, between your minds, there is no gap. To join his dreams is thus to meet him not, because his dreams would separate from you. Therefore, release him merely by your claim on brotherhood and not on dreams of fear. Let him acknowledge who he is by not supporting his illusions by your faith. For if you do, you will have faith in yours. With faith in yours, he will not be released, and you are kept in bondage to his dream. And dreams of fear will haunt the little gap inhabited but by illusions which you have supported in each other's minds. 41. Be certain, if you do your part, he will do his, for he will join you where you stand. Call not to meet him, I mean, excuse me, call not to him to meet you in the gap between you, or you must believe that that is your reality as well as his. You cannot do his part, but this you do when you become a passive figure in his dream instead of dreamer of your own. Identity in dreams is meaningless because the dreamer and the dream are one. Who shares a dream must be the dream. He shares. Who shares a dream must be the dream he shares because by sharing is a cause produced. Thank you, Karen and Robin Marie. Forty-one. Be certain, if you do your part, he will do his, for he will join you where you stand. Call not to him to meet you in the gap between you, 
or you must believe that it is your reality as well as his. You cannot do his part, but this you do when you become a passive figure in his dream instead of dreamer of your own. Identity in dreams is meaningless because the dreamer and the dream are one. Who shares a dream must be the dream he shares because by sharing is a cause produced. 42. You share confusion and you are confused for in the gap no stable self exists. What is the same seems different because what is the same appears to be unlike. His dreams are yours because you let them be. But if you took your own away, would he be free of them and of his own as well? Your dreams are witnesses to his, and his attests the truth of yours. Yet if you see there is no truth in yours, his dreams will disappear before his eyes, and he will understand what made the dream. Thank you, Robin Murray and Mindy. <clears throat> 43. The Holy Spirit is in both your minds, and he is one because there is no gap that separates his oneness from itself. The gap between your bodies matters not, for what is Mindy. joined in him is always one. No one is sick if someone else accepts his union with him. His desire to be sick and separated mind cannot remain without a witness or a cause. Let me say that again. I have a little glitch here. No one is sick if someone else accepts his union with him. Excuse me. Did you skip 40? Pardon me? Back to 42. Back to 42. 42. Yeah, you're Yes, 42, Thanks. I'm sorry. Thank you for correcting me. Wonder it didn't go smoothly. Okay, 42. You share confusion and you are confused, for in the gap no subtle self exists, no stable self exists. What is the same seems different because what is the same appears to be unlike. His dreams are yours because you let them be. But if you took your own away, would he be free of them and of his own as well? Your dreams are witnesses to his, and his attest the truth of yours. Yet if you see there is no truth in yours, his dreams will disappear before his eyes, and he will understand what made the dream. Now here we are at 43. The Holy Spirit is in both your minds, and he is one because there is no gap that separates his oneness from itself. The gap between your bodies matters not, for what is joined in him is always one. No one is sick if someone else accepts his union with him. Wow. His desire to be a sick and separated mind cannot remain without a witness or a cause. And both are gone if someone wills to be united with him. He has dreamed that he was separated from his brother who, by sharing not his dream, 
has left the space between them vacant. And the Father comes to join his Son, the Holy Spirit. Sorry. Thank you, Mindy. And <laughs> thank you, everyone else, for the assistance there. And uh, mm, let's see, is there another, is there a new reader for 43 and 44? Do it, Lemoyne. It's Jude. Okay. Thank you, Judy. The Holy Spirit is in both your minds, and capital He is the capital one, because there is no gap that separates His oneness from itself. The gap between your bodies matters not, for what is joined in Him is always one. No one is sick if someone else accepts his union with him. His desire to be a sick and separated mind cannot remain without a witness or a cause. And both are gone, witness and cause, if someone wills to be united with him. He has dreamed that he was separated from his brother who, by sharing not his dream, has left the space between them vacant. And the Father comes to join his Son, the Holy Spirit, joined. And the Father comes to join his Son, the Holy Spirit, joined. And the Father comes to join his Son, the Holy Spirit, joined. The Holy Spirit's function is to take the broken picture of the Son of God and put the pieces into place again. This holy picture, healed entirely, does he hold out to every separate piece that thinks it is a picture in itself. To each he offers, his identity, which the whole picture represents, instead of just a little broken bit, which he insists was himself. And when he sees this picture, he will recognize himself. If you share not your brother's evil dream, this is the picture that the miracle will place within the little gap left clean of all the seeds of sickness and of sin. And here the Father will receive his Son because his Son was gracious to himself. Amen. Thank you, Judy. And... Is there another new reader for 44 and 45? Another new reader, 44 and 45? 
Okay. Um, back to you, Lori. Thank you. Holy Spirit's function is to take the broken picture of the Son of God and put the pieces into place again. This holy picture healed entirely. Does he hold out to every separate piece that thinks it is a picture in itself? To each he offers his identity, which the whole picture represents, instead of just a little broken bit, which he insisted was himself. When he sees this picture, he will recognize himself. If you share not your brother's evil dream, this is the picture that the miracle will place within the little gap left clean of all the seeds of sickness and of sin. And here the father will receive his son, because his son is gracious to himself. I thank you, Father, knowing you will come to close each little gap that lies between the broken pieces of your Holy Son. Your holiness, complete and perfect, lies in every one of them. And they are joined, because what is in one is in them all. How holy is the smallest grain of sand when it is recognized as being part of the completed picture of God's Son? The forms the broken pieces seem to take mean nothing, for the whole is in each one, and every aspect of the Son of God is just the same as every other part. Thank you, Lori. And Brad. 45. I thank you, Father knowing you will come to close each little gap that lies between the broken pieces of your Holy Son. Your holiness, complete and perfect, lies in every one of them, and they are joined because what is in one is in them all. How holy is the smallest grain of sand when it is recognized as being part of the completed picture of God's Son? The forms the broken pieces seem to take mean nothing, for the whole is in each one, and every aspect of the Son of God is just the same as every other part. 46. Join not your brother's dreams, but join with him, and where you join his Son, the Father, is, who seeks for substitutes when he perceives he has lost nothing. Who would want to have the quote-unquote benefits of sickness when he was received the simple happiness of health. What God has given cannot be a loss, and what is not of him has no effects. What then would you perceive within the gap? The seeds of sickness come from the belief that there is joy in separation, and its giving up would be a sacrifice. But miracles are the result when you do not insist on seeing in the gap what is not there. Your willingness to let illusions go is all the healer of God's Son requires. He will place the miracle of healing where the seeds of sickness were, and there will be no loss but only gain. Thank you, friend. And Jessica. 
Okay, 46. Join not your brother's dreams, but join with him. And where you join his son, the father is, who seeks for substitutes when he perceives he has lost nothing. Who would want to have the, quote, benefit of sickness when he has received the simple happiness of health? What God has given cannot be a loss, and what is not of him has no effect. What then would you perceive within the gap? The seeds of sickness come from the belief that there is joy in separation, and its giving up would be a a sacrifice. But miracles are the result when you do not insist on seeing in the gap what is not there. Your willingness to let illusions go is all the healer of God's Son requires. He will place the miracle of healing where the seeds of sickness were, and there will be no loss, but only Thank you, Jessica. And uh, thank you, everyone who read. (laughs) All those that kept us on track. Let's see. Um, Hmm. I <laughs> I think it, to to uh, to summarize. Um, okay, I, I'm gonna just try to follow what that these are. Uh, I believe it to be guidance here in summarizing the greater joining from 37. Accepting the atonement for yourself means not to give support to someone's dream of sickness and of death. And 38, there is a way of finding certainty right here and now. Refuse to be a part of fearful dreams, whatever form they take, or you will lose identity in them. 39, like you, your brother thinks he is a dream. Share not in his illusion of himself, for your identity depends on his reality. Think rather of him as a mind in which illusions still persist, but as a mind which which brother is to you. His body and his dreams that seem to make a little gap where yours have joined with his. And yet, between your minds, there is no gap. To join his dreams is thus to meet him not because his dreams would separate from you. 
Therefore, release him merely by your claim on brotherhood and not the claim on dreams of fear. Let him acknowledge who he is by not supporting his illusions by your faith. For if you do, you will have faith in yours. With faith in yours, he will not be released. And you are kept in bondage to his dreams. And dreams of fear will haunt the little gap, inhabited but by illusions which you have supported in each other's minds. Be certain, if you do your part, he will do his, for he will join you where you stand. Who shares a dream must be the dream he shares, because by sharing is a cause produced. You share confusion and you are confused, for in the gap no stable self exists. Your dreams are witnesses to his, and his will attest the truth of yours. Yet if you see there is no truth in yours, his dreams will disappear, and he will understand what made the dream. The Holy Spirit is in both your minds and he is one because there is no gap that separates his oneness from itself. His desire to be a sick and separated mind cannot remain without a witness or a cause. And both are gone if someone wills to be united with him. He has dreamed that he was separated from his brother who, by not sharing his dream, had left the space between them vacant. <clears throat> and the father comes to join his son, the Holy Spirit joined. The Holy Spirit's function is to take the broken picture of the Son of God and put the pieces into place again. This holy picture, healed entirely, does he hold out to every separate piece that thinks it is a picture in itself. To each he offers his identity, which the whole picture represents, instead of just a little broken bit, which he, he insisted was himself. If you share not your brother's evil dream, this is the picture that the miracle will place within the little gap, left, left clean of all the seeds of sickness and of sin. And here the father will receive his son, because his son was gracious to himself. I thank you, Father, knowing you will come to close each little gap that lies between the broken pieces of your Holy Son. <coughs> your holiness, complete and perfect, lies in every one of them. And they are joined, they are joined, because what is in one is in them all.
How holy is the smallest grain of sand when it is recognized as being part of the completed picture of God's Son? The forms the broken pieces seem to take mean nothing, for the whole is in each form, and every aspect of the Son of God is just the same as every other part. Join not your brother's dreams, but join with him. And where you join his son, the father is. Who seeks for substitutes when he perceives he has lost nothing? What God has given cannot be a loss, and what is not of him has no effects. What then would you perceive within the gap? The seeds of sickness come from the belief that there is joy in separation and its giving up would be a sacrifice. But miracles are the result when you do not insist on seeing in the gap what is not there. Your willingness to let illusions go is all the healer of God's Son requires. He will place the miracle of healing where the seeds of sickness were, and there will be no loss, but only gain. Uh, Thank you, LeMoyne. Thank you, LeMoyne. Thank you, LeMoyne. That was excellent, absolute excellent recap. Thank you. Well, he's a good writer. <laughs> you can get a lot from just the topic sentences and the conclusion sentences. And um, and I thank you all for for your listening. And turn to you, friend. Uh, would you lead, please lead us in the lesson this morning? Eternal holiness abides in me. Okay, thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme we're on is what is the real world? And we're on lesson 299, Eternal Holiness Abides in Me. So I shall read some from what is the real world, then we'll go to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. What is the real world? The real world is the symbol that the dream of sin and guilt is over and God's son no longer sleeps. His waking eyes perceive the sure reflection of his father's love, the certain promise that he is redeemed. The real world signifies the end of time, for its perception makes time purposeless. The Holy Spirit has no need of time when it has served his purpose. Now he waits but that one instant more for God to take his final step and time has disappeared, taking perception with it as it goes and leaving but the truth to be itself. That instant is our goal, for it contains the memory of God. And as we look upon a world forgiven, it is he who calls to us and comes to take us home, reminding us of our identity 
which our forgiveness has restored to us. And we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 299. Eternal holiness abides in me. My holiness is far beyond my own ability to understand or know. Yet God, my Father, who created it, acknowledges my holiness as his own. Our will together understands it, and our will together knows that it is so. Father, my holiness is not of me. It is not mine to be to be destroyed by sin. It is not mine to suffer from attack. Illusions can obscure it, but cannot put out its radiance nor dim its light. It stands forever perfect and untouched. In it are all things healed, for they remain as you created them. And I can know my holiness, for holiness itself created me. And I can know my source because it is your will that you be known. Lesson 299. Eternal holiness abides in me. Five minutes.
Lesson 299, Eternal Holiness Abides in Me. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, Fran, did you want to say something first? I was going to share what I shared on the call, but you talk and I'll... No, 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 no. After you, I'll go after you, please. (laughs) Well... I had an experience yesterday that makes this lesson more real to me, I guess. I had a I, I just had some physical problems and I've had fear and kind of been depressed about it and yesterday I asked for help. And I heard your strength comes from God. And I thought, I have strength And I kept hearing that all day. Your strength comes from God. And it changed the day. I had a great day. I was happy. I kept thinking my strength, I have strength and it's coming from God. And I realized from this lesson, eternal holiness abides in me. And I'm going to hear this help forever. I love it. (laughs) I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie, for letting Holy me do that. Holy mackerel. Oh, I'm so... <laughs> that's, a, that's just marvelous. Thank you, Fran. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Okay, good morning. My eternal holiness, eternal holiness abides in me. Um, I especially loved the lesson in the context of what we read today because um, if I perceive my brother and give my faith to to what I perceive, false perception of my brother, as his dream or being in his dream, I do not honor his eternal holiness, his eternal holiness is my eternal holiness. We share the Holy Spirit. That's our eternal holiness. Um, It says that unshared illusions have no effect. But if I unite with my brother in the dream and give my faith to the dream, we're both in the dream. We're both cast out of our eternal holiness. We can only experience our eternal holiness when we don't um, let our illusions block the truth of us. Um, I really love this line in the reading. It said, think of your brother as a mind in which illusions still persist. And it says, don't, don't join with him in his dream. Don't join with him in the perception of him being the hero in a body. Don't join with him. Don't share his illusion because that makes me go into identification of the same thing. 
if I share the dream, I'm in the dream. Um, it talks about the gap being, uh, the gap was made to keep us separate in a body. And we don't want to coexist in the gap. And we don't want to be... Um, Passive, right? It said somewhere that we don't want to be passive witnesses in the gap either. We have to be the active part of our own dream, which is my eternal holiness. My eternal holiness. I stay in my eternal holiness and see my brother as a mind that shares the Holy Spirit in eternal holiness. So whatever's going on in the dream... Um, I just have to remember that the same eternal holiness flowing through me flows through that person, and we share that one truth. That's our true self. Whatever else is going on, I don't want to give my faith to it. I don't want to give my energy to it. I don't want to put my power in it. I think that's good enough for now. Thank you so much. That was excellent. Oh, Thank was you, Chris. Mm-hmm. Such happy news. Oh. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank Karen. you so much, Karen. This is Jessica, and I think that um, conversation I had with my friend last night is just reaffirmed by this reading because um, she was talking about bodily concerns and being really distressed about them. And what I said to her was, you know, I, I like... You know, he's asking us not to join in the illusion and make it, uh, I forget, make it more real that way. And at the same time, of course, I I don't want to say, well, that doesn't matter or, or anything because I go through, I have all the same kind of stuff, you know. And what I said to her was, what I've come to partly through the course or largely through the course is that there will always be, and I didn't say the second part of this, because there will always be physical um, distractions and quote-unquote problems slash pain or disease or discomfort because that is the condition of separation and the effort of the ego to keep us believing in the separation. I didn't say the second part, but I said, there are always going to be bodily uh, things. And what I, my effort is to um, to just think of them as kind of background noise. And I used to be really, really disturbed by background noise of any kind. In fact, the house I live in now, I, I was in tears when we first came to look at it and I realized I had to let go of my, my disturbance of the, hearing the highway because <laughs> I said, oh, my God, I can hear the highway, but I think this is where I should live. And 
And it's like that, you know. It's like uh, there will be this discomfort, this symptom, that concern, and yes, sometimes I will go see a chiropractor or an MD or somebody to help me, you know, deal with it. But in general, it's just more of the same effort of the ego to make me think the separation is real. And so I don't want to give it a lot of, um, I don't want to join with it. I don't want to join with my friends' fear about it. And the wonderful thing, which is also covered in this reading, is that because my friend is an in, in she's an eternal she's part of the eternal holiness and we are one are and the parts that he the the broken pieces are all one he said he didn't say what the heck are you talking about <laughs> why would i you know why are you being so insensitive or whatever she said that was really helpful that is really helpful and it's helpful because she knows also on she is also the uh what is it <laughs> she's the eternally holy her eternal holiness abides in her we our eternal eternal holiness abides in us and she knows the truth as much as any of us do so it was just really great to go through this reading and think oh my goodness this is such an affirmation of of that conversation thank you guys goody that was great thank you thank you jessica thanks yeah i love those live live reovers thank you (laughs) thank you all i i'm so uh honored to hear all of your shares every day and I'm going on vacation and I'm thinking I'm going to wake up early just to listen to these guys because I realize you know you really keep me on track and and it's very helpful in my day so I wanted to thank you all oh thank you Robin Marie just your cheerful voice is joy to me thank you yeah Thank you. Good morning. This is Patricia. Um, Fran just uh, barked in her share this morning poem that was singing through all your readings. It began with, eternal abides within me. And then it shifted to a new page. And it said, this is how we are kept alive. And it shifted to another page and then this is what came down. Eternal abides within what has always been. Dance the dance 
of time, the dance of space and time, divine is a one of a kind. Dance of space and time, divine is the one of a kind. Every choice is God's tickle, revealing what is eternal, what has always been, shines within all things. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's beautiful, beautiful thank Patricia. You. Mm, thanks. Thank you. I love the way you get inspired. It's inspiring for all of us. I will chime in, Patricia, here to say I'm more dumbfounded than anybody else to feel what life is like when it's not me. Because, you know, I I, I thought, oh, my gosh, honey, that really, this is really real. And this isn't me. So the personality then that I get to say, God, you gave personality you're the one who's doing the doing. And you just stunned me with this part where you're saying divine is the one of a kind and every choice is God's pickle. Something in me knows that's true, even though I don't understand a single thing you do with me, God. I sure know it's not me. Hey, morning, Ken. You doing the writing. Thank you. Hey, man, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Patricia just has to say, this goes against everything we're taught, because this isn't like self-anything, but I want to read it over and over. I want to read it slower. I want to see, wow, how those few words and what they do. So it's really a tickle here, you know, to find self being this little human God gave body to dance in so God can be tickled with every choice the world makes. Isn't that something? I gotta be quiet now. I just get overwhelmed with what he does with us. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. I I like your use of the word tickle because what is a tickle? A tickle makes you laugh and, and you know, 
I forget to I know I know I'm I enjoy uh the the absurdity of things and I and I laugh about that stuff but sometimes I can get really serious cuz I think I'm not doing this course well enough or I'm not making enough I'm not remembering it often enough or something like that and the idea that you know that I forget to laugh as he mentions about the uh, tiny mad idea um I got to keep remembering to laugh and not and not be too concerned about how I'm doing the course, when I'm doing the course, or any of that stuff. So thank you for the reminder. That was great, Jessica. You know, in the manual for teachers, he says the atonement could be likened to this, a total lack of interest in the past and a total lack of interest in the future. <laughs> Isn't that just marvelous? A lack of interest in the past and a lack of interest in the future. How can yeah. I make any Thanks measurement that that's where I live? Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. I just have to share one of the things that I do with the kids that they love. Is, uh, I say to them, give me five, and they give me five, and then I turn my hand over and I say, other side, and they give me five on my other side. Then I put my two index fingers together and say, cut the pickle, and they cut the pickle with their hand, and then I say, and get a tickle. They love that. Oh, that's as sweet as can be. Thanks, Robin Marie. Thank you. And thank you, Lori, for that reminder. That was perfect. Past and future, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I, I guess I'll go ahead and, and share something that has to do with yesterday, yesterday's reading. And, and um, I shared it this morning on the lesson call that I went through the day, I believe it was yesterday, but I, the days blur together sometimes. I went through the day um, choosing every moment that I was aware of how I was possibly um, per- perceiving or looking at others as others or judging them or evaluating something about them or being tempted to react in a way that that was making them less uh, distant from me as opposed to joining because I think the reading was about joining. So every time that I would feel that, I would remind myself, not judging, I'm joining. I'm joining. I'm here to join. I want to join. I'm joining with this person. I'm joining here. I'm joining there. And it was a great exercise for me. Um, I actually had to go get this, uh, uh, some shots, (laughs) which are not fun to get. And, 
you know, it's very easy to, it's tempting to uh, find fault with how they do it or what they say or, you know, the, the nurse that I dealt with yesterday said some things that I think six months ago I would have, I would have come home and told somebody, you know, she said this, she shouldn't have said that. <laughs> or, you know, like she was saying what, what terrible shots they were. And, you know, I just said, they're not that bad. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, they should have really come up with something better by now and stuff like that. And she was a lovely person. So I, I just kept saying, I did not, I didn't give in to any kind of temptation by the ego to judge her or criticize her or, or hold on to any negative ideas about what happened. I just kept joining and, and wow, I'm so grateful for the reading and for sharing that with you guys. Uh, that allowed me to do that. I'm complete. Uh, it has to be a life-changing practice. <laughs> what a victory. That was Thank great. You. Yay. Hi, good morning, guys. I It's Jude. I had, um, you know, I just love this, the practicing and applying these these beautiful thoughts. Um, that were given to us to reveal the truth to us, and I love the line in the text that says, "We're we're not afraid only of the dream. We're afraid of the dream. We're not afraid of re- our own reality." And um, because I've been looking a lot at um, fear, and you know, asking the Holy Spirit, "What is this fear about?" and Help me to um, reveal it, to reveal the truth to me. What's the truth in this? And what the truth to correct the errors in my mind? And um, looking at the loss of, um, you know, the ages, the losses that come with aging, the loss of my physical prowess, my strength. Um, you know, it takes me twice as long to do, do half as much. The loss of my um, effectiveness in in um, fulfilling roles that I that I that came ha, have come to be losses to me the the roles of being a nurse and being a gardener and being a helper in general um, you know the and the mounting losses that have come to me the sense of the mounting losses that has come to me and has um, appeared to cause me to be sad, that giving credence to the appearances has caused, uh, has appeared to cause me to be sad and sorrowful. And, you know, the rereading of the um, seeing the real world and seeing, um, seeing through the eyes of forgiveness, the correction of miracles correcting my vision and the the Holy Spirit helping me to see things clearly, um, looking at um, just, you know, day in and day out, watching my thoughts and seeing how they come and they go and knowing that I'm not my thoughts about things. I'm not my thoughts about the dream. I'm not my thoughts interpreting the dream. This is all Jude's interpretation of her dream role, right? And I can't judge that. But he can, and I'll let him. 
so I keep asking the Holy Spirit. So the other day, or yesterday, I called one of my oldest and dearest friends. She's 93 years old, and I haven't called her in a while, like, you know, days, which is not ordinary. And so I had this feeling I should call Cigna. I haven't called Cigna. Judy hasn't called Cigna. So when I called her, she said, well, hello, stranger, and it wounded me to the heart. I thought, I felt the guilt immediately, and I thought, i got to look at this. We'll talk now, but I've got to look at this. This is interesting. So later on, I sit with the Holy Spirit, and I I said, what's this all about? Who am I taking myself for? And this brings me around to what we've read today in the text and to the lesson. Who do I take myself for? Do I take myself for the self-image, the self-concept of Judy in a body that isn't doing what she should be doing? I should be calling my 92-year-old best friend. You know, I shouldn't be doing this and I should be doing that. And, um, you know, the guilt that, that... I lay on myself, and, you know, I, it was funny because when I had that thought, who do you take yourself for, which is my true self speaking to me, when I started to look at that, the um, accuser, the question, who is accusing you of this? Who is the accuser? And I thought, this is interesting. I, this isn't something that Jude would think of, right? I know this is the Holy Spirit helping me. Who is accusing Jude of doing what? <laughs> and then the guilt really became apparent. You know, who's doing this to whom? And how I was doing it, how my ego was doing it to itself, which is, you know, this, the ridiculousness of it becomes apparent. So in that one simple hello, stranger, I really learned a lot because I paid attention to how it wounded her saying that, wounded my heart. It took, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not a stranger to you. We're best friends. We're capital friend. We're one and the same. And this is, you know, where the who do you take yourself for question came from. Who are you taking yourself for? You're taking yourself for a Judy, a false sense of self-appraisal, an illusion, an image of yourself. It's going to beat up on you and make you feel small and little and make you feel guilty and wrong and criticized and worthy of it. So that was interesting in and of itself. But the, um, the pureness and the holiness and the gentleness and the tenderness of releasing all that and saying that's not who I am, I know who I am in truth. I am as God created me. And the simplicity and the beauty of looking at myself, my Judy self, through the eyes of my own holiness, completely released me from that personal sense of self. Where I couldn't take it personally. Where it was silly and ridiculous to take it personally. Because it wasn't said in a personal way. It wasn't intended in a personal way. But Judy sure, sure could take it that way. And any thought that I would take for 
Judy personally, any anything that Judy would think personally for herself, the Christ in me has told me, take no thought for yourself, because there is no personal self. And you're misinterpreting not only yourself, but the whole world and everyone else in it from that personal point of view. And this is the biggest thing I've ever had to learn, that nothing is personal. We're all one public, great big public event. (laughs) It's one great big party. It's one great big feast. And not to be afraid, and I'll finish with this beautiful thing that I read, and it's the simplest of sayings. Prolong not the past and invite not the future. And be not afraid of appearances. And in, in, in this is everything. Amen. I'm complete. Thank oh, thanks you for that. Uh, that is everything. Thank you. Thank you, Jude. I really love it when you you talk about things that are personal and really practical. Was helpful to me. Thank you. Hi, it's Karen again. I just have a little comment that came to me in meditation this morning also. So there's a Thursday night meditation group and I got an invitation to a Zoom meet. And I felt um I just felt like instantly like my ego mind rose up and said, oh, you don't want to, because this is my first spiritual group that I was with for seven years. And it said, oh, they're going to see that you're, you know, they'll see all your black lines in your aura. They'll see all your, you know, all the soft forms and how you're not very peaceful or smooth. And my mind went like that. And then it went right back to, Eternal holiness abides in me. Those people are eternal holiness. Who would think like that? An ego mind, and that's not who they are, but I was projecting it because my ego's fearful self had an opportunity, which I canceled out immediately. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that was just great. It's so beautifully yeah, said. Thank you. As I see myself, I see everything else. Holiness sees itself. Innocence sees itself. Love sees itself. It's 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 so simple, but it really escapes me sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Judy. Oh, you guys. Shoot. I don't have enough. Do we have enough? Do we have enough? Not alone.
think you're off mute, Judy. Yeah, oh. Judy, it sounds, sounds like you gave the phone to the pigeons. They're louder I, than you are. <laughs> oh, going to all my birds. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, so I'm thinking. Go ahead, Lori, I'm listening. <laughs> thinking of that quote, that it is no dream to love your brother as yourself. It is no dream to love your brother as yourself. And um, and the other quote that came to mind this morning is uh, these ideas were were in the realm of ideas here. And these are not ideas to be laid idly by, but to apply. And the gift of life is the gift of those opportunities to apply these ideas and see uh, the shifts that happen in awareness when they do. <laughs> Gee whiz, it's just so, it's so awesome to um, join a call with like-minded people having like experiences all as a consequence of applying ideas. Um, do I need more evidence that there's only one mind? <laughs> all, all I can say um, today is everything he says is absolutely true and within the realm of experience right here where I am anytime I so choose. And once, it, you know, he says over and over again, should one brother, should one brother dawn upon you as wholly worthy of forgiveness, uh, you'll see every brother differently after that. And, and the difference is so uh, striking that um, the difference is so striking that it's not a stretch to say my holiness abides in you, God's son. Even the word brother doesn't make a lot of sense sometimes when I'm experiencing truth uh, the way it's given. In fact, for a while after after I finally realized I contain everyone and everyone contains me, I had a hard time with the word brother because even that sounded like too much distance, you know. Um, and I still do, you know, because I, I, you know, to say brother is to put me in a body and and he. That isn't what he intended for us um, in this world of ideas. Uh, ideas like holiness and innocence and purity and love and 
oneness and transparency and faithfulness and generosity, all of these ideas uh, are in the realm of experience. And the idea, you know, and, and this was the idea that I seem to have inherited somewhere along the way, that um, life is limited to body, and when you die, you'll understand everything. When you die, you'll understand that you're one with God. He wants me to have the experience of that oneness with his mind. And when I do accept atonement for myself and experience that miracle, everything changes. Everything is inclusive. Does that mean, you know, so many people think, well, does that mean I shoot right on out of here and everything disappears? It doesn't. It doesn't. It means that, gee, it's sort of like in Course of Love, you know. You have this dialogue on the mountain, and then you take this dialogue from the mountain back to life. And that's the joy of living, that, um, you know, here's an example. Um, Kathy and her sister uh, were both traumatized as children by the same perpetrator. And... As a consequence, they both uh, go through life feeling some degree of responsibility for not having protected the other. This is a crazy dream that they share. And most of the time, it's it's not within their experience, but uh, Karen's going to have surgery today. And um, Kathy came home yesterday, and she was all distressed. And, and you know, I have to go stay with her and and... You know, I, I tried to um, I tried to see this as just a loving opportunity, and she attacked me, which was very unusual. And um, and, and and you know, <laughs> she attacked me as if I were attacking her sister. Is how it went, and uh, that was very disturbing. And I remember just in that instant, I remember she'll know when he's hurt you. Because he believes that he can and has, and that's his guilt. Here's the idea that that I can hold, we say hold space all the time like a casual thing, but the truth is so true that in the presence of truth, what isn't true sort of dissolves. I might not see it right away, but it does, and it did. And, um, and today, all is well. These are ideas not to be laid idly by, but to apply it every time I do. Um, there's something that happens where it occurs to me once again, there's just this one mind, and it's all love, and there's nothing else going on here. Here's the idea, then, that you go to the mountain, and you bring the mountain <laughs> How's that saying go? The mountain doesn't come to Muhammad. Muhammad goes to the mountain. No, it's just reverse. Um, once, once you experience truth, um, you cannot not share it. And that doesn't mean I go around blabbering about God and, you know, you could see it this way and gee whiz, if you only do this and here's an idea for you and, and what have you. It's the realization that the mind we share is shared by all our brothers. And when I see them truly, healing is the result. And healing happens in my mind and the person with whom I'm sharing this experience 
This is the nature of unity. And that's why awareness and dreaming is the function of God's teachers. You know, we dream this dream, this collective dream. We, we have experiences simultaneously with each other. But when we recognize the unity of love and truth and holiness in this encounter, we're bringing heaven to earth. You know, heaven is not a separate place. It's a state of mind, the awareness of perfect oneness. Um, and whenever that happens, there's a consequence that ripples out, you know, a really swell reading if you want to get a sense of how significant this is is in chapter 16, section 3, where he talks about the magnitude of holiness. And there he says, you don't understand the miracle, but there's something in you that does. And you've done miracles whenever you've joined another mind and appreciated the fact that there's a love you share, you have united with him. And you have no idea the consequence of that. Those things ripple out through the universe of consciousness, through the realm of ideas to the realm of ideas and this is what uh, is going to change our experience here this is what's going to bring um, well I don't even need to talk about all that but the idea is that we can change our experience here and when we do whomever we have that experience with has a changed experience that changes both of us and brings us closer to our true identity. And every time I can think a thought like, I'm light and walk with light, or God's strength is, is mine, vision is his gift. Anytime I think that thought, those ideas move in ways we don't need to understand. Um, but nonetheless, they move. I asked God one time, how do you move? Because I know he does. You know he does. You see it. You see things um, that bring us closer to truth all the time. And he said, through the sacred heart. And, and when I let forgiveness, uh, remember that song by Petula Clark, you can color my world with sunshine yellow each day. Color my world with happiness all the way. This is what Holy Spirit does for us, for my mind. And that changes everything. Simply, that changes everything for me and whomever I have this experience with. And um, that's why he says divine abstraction takes joy in application. You know, over and over and over again, let us, let us move through this world seeing how many times God's gift can once again be ours. This is what it means to um, to live without that gap between bodies. That's nothing in the world of ideas. And, um, and when I shift there, everything shifts with me. I'm complete. Oh, thank you so much. That was great. Thank you, Lori. That was so beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Yes, it was excellent. Thank you, Lori. Oh, quick return, Lori. That's with Patricia. 
there was a share this morning where someone said an experience they had, and then they paused, and I got a big writing that came out in a tiny way when they said, I got to look at this. Whoever went that, I got to look at this for a minute. And then I don't even remember what she shared. Because here's what happened here with this theme of meeting our eternal this morning. Was what is eternal? I'm going to say do not ask. Do not ask. Unless you say, I got to look at this. Do not ask unless there is no choice. Unless no choice exists but this. What is the eternal? Well, the eternal is eternal. The monster finds himself. And all interference ends. Oh, do not ask unless no choice exists but this. Oh, I want to know what is eternal. Then the you dies to live every second as the miracle. Thank you. Amen to that. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. seems very important to me today to to be aware of love's presence, that I am love's presence itself, that is myself, that is my true self. Am I aware of who I am, who and what I am, everywhere I go, in every situation, in every circumstance, to rest in that peace and that still point of awareness of love's capital presence, that awareness of capital holiness that is not of me, that is not mine. And uh, Patricia, you, when you said without interference, that the word interference, just what it means to me is Jude, you know, it's Jude, Jude's got to get out of the way. Got to forget herself in order to be aware of presence. I really simply just forget myself, and you know that that came to me uh, via doing the practice practicing of the lessons. I will step back and let Capital Him lead the way, which comes to me as my truth that the Capital Him is me. That is my eternal self. It is my constant awareness of love's presence. It is my constant sense of peace, the peace that opposes nothing, and it is not provoked by anything. Only duty is provoked, can be provoked, 
from a personal interpretation of something, which was really, really um, made clear to me in the way that I had interpreted my friend calling me a stranger, which is really just an off-the-cuff common phrase that people use daily. Hi, a stranger. You know, and in actuality, what she meant by saying that was, you are not a stranger to me. And the importance of that is what the text is trying to make clear to me today, that no one is a stranger to me, that no one is anything but my capital friend to me, is myself, that I see everyone as myself. And um, I just, I'll stop there. Thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. And it's, it's something that's really wonderful to me to read that line in the text that I'm afraid of the dream because I've been really looking at my fears, the fears of aging and loss, losses and um, my sadness and my sorrow and how all that comes from being afraid of a dream, a dream of who I think I am, which is a mistaken of self-appraisal. I got my back. I am not my body. I'm not who I think I am. <laughs> the magnitude and the glory and the perfection of who I am in my wholeness and completion is what I need to remember all the time. Never forget who I am. And, um, you know, that there, the reading in the What is the Real World, where it talks about the mind that holds no, that has no fear, that in perfect love, when I know that I'm perfect love, that I, there's no fear in that, and it's not afraid of the dream, because it sees it as an illusion. It knows the difference between the truth and what is false. And um, the, the idea that there's no sadness or no sorrow in the mind that knows the truth of who and what I am. So I'm, I really just... I really just want to keep saying and repeating and thinking these things um, because it's by this repetition that all my illusions will be undone. By looking at my illusions of myself and um, seeing clearly through them um, that I will be released from them. And so then will my friends <laughs> and the world. Thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy.
Boyd? Yes, Lori. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, better finally, I think. Well, that, that's not true. <laughs> I was going to say, the snot has finally stopped coming. But no, it's, it's still going, which is probably good. Um, I, you know, I've uh, I spent a few years here going through this, and and I guess maybe I really haven't allowed the time or found what was seemed very clear yesterday in yesterday's reading. You know, what is what is this gap that he's always talking about? This little gap, and. Uh, and it, it's interesting because I see it now as like, um, hmm, that you know, how do, how how is this true that we're all one and yet we have this really distinct experience of individuality, and that and they begin the question, what is it for? What is the gap for? If we view the gap as, um, how would you say it, God and unity desiring the experience of relationship and creating just enough separation so that the experience of relationship can arise, and so that's the purpose, that would be the purpose of the gap, this holy relationship. It's like he said in today's reading. Um, what is it that? Uh, oh, that uh, who shares a dream must be the dream he shares. And stepping to to the what he points as the behind that is because by sharing is a cause produced. And. And so, you know, our power is a shared power, and we can create in this gap the idea, I think the original purpose is the creation of holy relationship and just, a, a, if you will, a flowering, right? That in this, in this idea of, oh, just a little tiny bit of separation so we can, we can experience relationship, and out of that, you know, came, um, I think, all the universe and its world of form and its uh, its awesome complexity and majesty, if you will. And, uh, and yet that, you know, we can fill the, you know, we can fill the gap with whatever we want because it is nothing, right? And so that it is in the focus of the gap as the foundation of reality rather than just a little, believing in separation is foundational rather than just enough space to create relationship <laughs> is it seemed very helpful to me this morning to to try and look at differences that way. That they're 
there, you know, uh, um, hmm. the differences are required in this for relationship, but you know, the view that they're, they're there for a cause of fear and proof of separation is is our us just us being overwrought about the whole thing and bringing in fear. And it was very helpful to me, at least, to see that, to remember that passage in yesterday's reading that, you know, what is the gap? It's like really nothing. You know, separation is but empty space, enclosing nothing, doing nothing, and as unsubstantial as the empty space between the ripples that a ship has made in passing by. It's already filled in that, you know, if we don't fill the gap with our fearful dreams, it is the place where we can experience holy relationship with a brother and with everything in truth. And, uh, <clears throat> and that that actually, this view actually puts a, a purpose behind it so it doesn't appear to make creation uncertain or our experience as individuals is a cause for fear. That it is instead intended as a cause for relationship. But um, I just want to point out that there's a parallel here between these two sections, uh, four and five, and what it speaks of a little more directly in A Course of Love. It's like first the inner joining, you know, the willingness to join with all and dispense with fear is required to receive the fullness of the outer joining, I think. And it's it's in this reading today, but um, he's very deft at leaving it for us to discover because then we know it uh, as our own. And so I thank you for all those wonderful shares and examples today. You put me in mind of an old friend uh, um, today, Judy, with your talk about being greeted as a stranger. Um, because I have a friend who does that, and it's it's always very. I always perceive it as as a call for <laughs> more involvement in their life. And not not less, not an accusation, but uh, as an invitation. Maybe a little backwards in terms of this. Expressed a little, little backwards, but it does call there, therefore for its opposite, and uh, <laughs> so. I think that's uh, that's what I have to say. I mean, uh, if we can just recognize that the gap 
is really nothing. It's really, if there is a gap, it must be empty space. And if there's whatever's in it is what we put there. Or it's the underlying reality, which can be experienced there. And uh, this is our choice. On how to do Very astute. And uh, I'm complete. Thank you very much. You remind me of um, of, of, of of a way that um, seemed to clarify it for me um, about this gap. I love the way you say just enough, just enough so that there's space for a relationship in it. What a great way to say it. Um, it's like a photo album. I have a photo album. And when I turn the pages in the album, I see pictures of bodies and places and what have you. But what I don't see is what's really there. And what's really there is the reason I took the picture in the first place. You know? I mean, it's so obvious that you overlook it. I took the picture because I was having an experience and loving the experience and wanted to remember it. And I can go through life with my photo camera mind, clicking pictures, clicking pictures, clicking pictures, and missing everything. Or I can go through life having moments that I want to remember. That's the difference. And, um, and when I make that choice, I'm rewarded with the choice I made. It's just so simple. Anyway, thank you, Wayne. That was really great. Yeah, thank you. Um, Patricia, quickly. Oh, go ahead. I don't want to. Just one quick thing, Patricia. The other thing we don't see is that when we close it, they're all all those. Oh, they're all smashed together as one. Excellent point. <laughs> but go ahead, Patricia. Um, well, now you got me wanting to stay in tune with you all, so could somebody repeat that excellent point? I missed it because I got a glitch in my connection. Say it again, Lemoyne. Uh, what is the purpose of the gap? You, know, you flipped it just perfectly. No, yeah. It's like he talks a lot about the gap, and it's like, what is this gap? And what, you know, he says the way to approach things is to ask, what is it for? And uh, I, I just think that these works are, Courts of Miracles, Courts of Love, other works that are similar are just, um, they talk about how everything is one and yet we have a distinct experience of individuality. And so Mm -hmm. in order to get to individuality, there has to be a little gap. And what, but then what is the gap for? And that the gap is to create enough space, just enough space so that relationship can arise. 
that the original purpose is so that God and unity can experience relationship. And this explains the seeming individuality, the gap, and all this all this stuff within this context of unity is, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we've, <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've okay. made many errors in perception and it mm-hmm. might be helpful to look at what <laughs> the original purpose might have been. You know, I'm complete. Mm-hmm. That, you got me caught up, honey. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to stay aligned because um, <clears throat> uh, it was yesterday with the Course of Love that I got new instructions. And so this morning, I'm continuing with this guidance within myself. And um, so it got me to pull up um, a computer and pen and papers and saying, look, honey, you just got to write this down. Because this is in the Temple of Eternity. And the morning for me, Lemoyne, was before our calls, I uh, I get up and I uh, practice walking barefoot. And I walk out in the yard and I feel the wet cold and I do all kinds of things as my practice. Not looking for comfort, but relationship. So... Um, my guidance today was um, you, you keep you get that writing going, girl, because um, we've got a place that doesn't matter what people think, and it's got to come down, and it's coming out of these people. So I had to stay in touch with what you were talking about, Lemoyne, because there was this um, part of a previous writing that Fran evoked through me earlier in our call, and it highlighted the word choice. And that word was more um, glowing than the word tickle that God got from our choices. It was the relationship. And there was a little bit to not give it an ego story, but there was a whisper of, there are stories, honey, that say Choice is so magnificent that those of us who have been granted the privilege to have a body, to transfer the love of God and form through personal will and choice is relationship. Yes. We're doing it blind, and the thing our language is calling our hearts to do is drop the idea of errors. Drop every story, catch yourself with the glory, and don't think it's a weak part of self. So I'm going to back up, because uh, that was what connected me to speak up again. I didn't know we were in the after call. I get kind of lost. Um, so the backup was Lori. 
and the writing that came and something that happened in the course of love morning yesterday was um, I ended my call here with you all to early and uh, had to do some tasks and um, you know I walk barefoot and I don't do it for any other reason to just say God keep me present so I had a task before the course of love to drop our call and to do some laundry. And I live in the woods, so I'm walking this uh, laundry through the woods over to uh, the washer and dryer. And I am so blissed <laughs> in my uh, relationship with self. That is the only thing this mind does. And just saying, oh, my gosh, feel how cold it is, and it just rained, and feel how hot we are. Isn't it lovely to feel hot and cold? I think, yeah, it is. So here goes the laundry. <gasps> Look, it's doing all of that washing on its own. Isn't that fun? You get to go back to the cabin, and you get to sit there and lounge and, while your wash is happening. So I was really happy. But then you guys... I walk barefoot, and there was a part that that thing Lori brought up this morning was my lesson number one that happened that I shared with the Course of Love group. I was told as I stepped out of the laundry room and walking back to my beautiful cabin to listen to you all, stop honey and feel this. This is a Sodom and Gomorrah moment. And it was a voice from the collective mind. I could tell the difference. And that took some practice, I'm going to admit. But Lori brought up my lesson, too, about what that whole Sodom and Gomorrah is about. And it was when Lori said, no interest in the past, no interest in the future. And I was directed, go quick, honey. This, Lori's teaching you what I'm wanting you to know. Because when I was initially yesterday stopped as I'm walking to say, step forward and do not look back. Do not look back. Do not need the past. You are the one now. Step forward. No, you do not need to understand a future reason why Sodom and Gomorrah moment is here full time. Step away, loving every single past that ever, ever, ever was. That is the only Sodom and Gomorrah, we are doing now, girl. And I felt so overwhelmed, you guys, that I just had to stop halfway between the cabin and the woods and say, well, I could be late for my call, and there are lots of times I'm not on these calls because I'm out there asking, show me. And I hear this, and I'm going to confess to you. I hear Patricia. You have turned back 
so many times and turn yourself into a pillar of salt. You know what that feels like looking back. And you now know you're not walking forward without a past because the past was an error. And this is the first time glory for the Lord to be present here and now. The New Earth language speaks from eternal. And you guys, it went to this one, if I'm not overwhelming anybody. But it said, the word, hello, stranger, invite yourself every time you have a glimpse of the aroma of an error, exhale and ask that beautiful thing somebody this morning said, let me take a look at this. And so I got guided to tell you, hello stranger means this, you are honored as someone who is eternal in that other being. That other being in the world that we celebrate differences in and no longer apply fear or division to differences, hello stranger is calling your heart to open and accept. God has given you a role to be a permanent place in that soul. Here it goes. In the new language, stranger means the eternal one I know from long ago, never to be forgotten. You are my stranger, blessing me to always remember we are together no matter what. Hello, stranger. Thank you. Oh, my God, that was gorgeous, just glorious. The eternal one I know from long ago. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you. Patricia. And the quick I one. Just, I just have I one misperception. Everything. I'd like oh, to correct. It's not the after yeah. call. This is, we're still on the recording. So I oh, my. Share. Well, okay. God wanted <laughs> that to share was happen. a perfect cap uh, for this call and the agreement to join and the greater joining. You know, that the hello stranger is a call for the greater joining. And, um, and so I'll end the recording, but we won't end the call, and you can pick back up. Thank you.